So this week starts our new Sunday School series where we're going through um, a Capitol Hill course seminar. Um, it's on the subject of the fear of man. So the, uh, the title is um, uh, Fear of Man, Fearing God Rather Than uh, Men. And so we'll be looking at that subject throughout the next uh, seven or eight weeks or so. And um, when you think about the, the idea of the fear of man, we can think about maybe times where uh, we had to do some type of public speaking and we were um, terrified, right? Our nerves were, um, you know, we, were, we had the jitters and we were terrified to, to speak openly. Um, we were afraid that we would maybe say the wrong thing or say it in the wrong way or that, you know, somebody would criticize us for how we communicated something. Um, and it can almost feel paralyzing, you know, for, for some people, depending on your personality, um, it can feel like something that, that paralyzes you. And I'm sure we've all had stories like that. Um, but when we think about the fear of man, it's not limited to just public speaking and public engagements or you know, being in front of a crowd and having to share something or, or pray in front of a group at church. Uh, the fear of man goes a little bit deeper than that. Sometimes it can be very um, complex and even hard to identify. But when you sort of dig underneath some things, you find that there's this fear of man that's, that's the root of, of um, our sometimes pride, our selfishness, our false piety. Um, and so the fear of man can have many branches in a lot of different, different areas. We want to talk through, through some of those. And uh, we can often struggle with a, a desire to be um, seen as respectable before the eyes of the world. So maybe we've had uh, an experience of sort of doing a Christian activity and we felt some embarrassment. And so we sort of bow our, our head and um, we, uh, with just a fear of people, a fear of speaking, a, a fear of being criticized, we can find ourselves um, just distraught with fear and embarrassed, whether it's, again, public praying or um, speaking openly. And even the subject of uh, being afraid or the fear of man when it comes down to our, our Christian witness and our Christian life. Um, you know, you ask yourself, well, why are we ashamed to be seen doing certain things in public as, as a Christian? Um, why are we ashamed to be seen, I don't know, maybe praying, you know, for our meal in public or um, uh, talking to our child about something in the Bible in public or having a conversation with a friend openly in public about our Christian faith. We all find ourselves in those situations. Um, we can find ourselves at times maybe um, uh, hiding our Christian identity. Right? And it, it can be a fear of, of people or fear of opinions or fear that people won't approve of us. Right? So all these are different ways that we uh, show the fear of man, ultimately. But can you guys identify with <clears throat> any of those things? Do you have any, <clears throat> excuse me, any personal experiences where you felt like you um, had a fear of man that kept you from doing something that maybe you would normally do? Um, anybody care to share any, any thoughts on that?
bring up the gospel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I, I always think about it as uh, I always get get tripped up and wanting to have an answer to everything. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yep. I can identify know, but, with that. Oh, I, I yeah. So and, and you know I I um, uh, like oh yeah I know about yeah I thought about that you know here's why it's not like uh, what the one guy I shared um, a while ago about how the. Oh, so one guy ended up being a, uh, an Indian, uh, uh, danced for an Indian. Um, oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah. yeah. Sharing that like, story. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though, didn't expect that. Right. But, you know, so I want to, so, you know, I'm like, oh, man, I got to learn about it to be able to, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, well, wait a minute. I've, I've, uh, but I've been learning from one of the, uh, one of my fellow Gideons that, Right. Yeah. <clears throat> That's good. I think it shows them that <clears throat> you are concerned about them, um, their life, their their perspective on things. And I found that that's a good way to find out more about them, because you, you can even go to a conversation like that, um, assuming yeah. that this person thinks a certain way about a certain thing. And that specific worldview that he has could have all these different nuances. And you, you want to talk to the person yeah. and not approach them like, you know, man. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But, yeah, I can see how that can be a challenge, too, when we think about the, the fear of man. Yeah. Um, Okay. So for you, what would you say was underneath that? What what would you say caused you to pause? union in the past and I would have uh, like tape up different like scriptures on my computer and on my desk and when someone would would come in you know I would sort of you know how how are they going to read this you know they're going to look at me and judge me a a certain way Um, and I would have this concern and this fear for how they would you know view me and I think a lot of people can identify with that especially in the workplace that's a it's a common place so again, we're thinking about the fear of man and where we see that in our own lives displayed in different areas. <clears throat> Anybody else care to share? Um, 
maybe at work, home, family life, out in public, where you've seen a fear of man in your own heart? Mark, go for it. Okay. Long, right. Right. A mile and a half, and I would get enough courage. It would take me that all that time to walk to the end. <laughs> yeah. Rain. Like I gotta do this. I'm, I'm scared. Yeah. They're gonna. They're gonna. And you go through all these unreal because it is unrealistic fears because we shouldn't be fearful, but I am. Right. And like, of course, I examine myself and I'm like, I'm, I'm trusting. What am I trusting? Be realistic with myself. I'm yeah. Like, Right. Convince people. Yeah. So then I forget. I forget all that good theology. Yeah. All that, and I have to bring it back. Yeah. You got to remind yourself. Yeah. Yep. I have to remind myself. Sometimes it takes all those that two miles. Absolutely. To get to that yeah. spot, like, oh, I just wanted to start here. Like, no, no, I'm just scared. Yeah. And by the time I get there, I pray, and it takes that one or two times to finally get it. Okay. I'm here. God got me here. To get me here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's something to mature in. Yeah. Still, even. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can take us years to talk to a friend or a family member about the gospel um, or get to the place where we feel comfortable enough um, sharing and talking, how, <clears throat> talking with a friend, an unsaved friend, how we would with a saved friend. Yeah, I think about um, <clears throat> in my neighborhood one time, I was talking to a, a neighbor and he asked me what I was doing this weekend. And you know, if somebody at church asks me that, I'd just be like, you know, we're going to church, you know. <laughs> we're going to worship God together. We're going to sing, pray, uh, fellowship. Um, but when my unsafe friend asked me, I tried to think of things that didn't include church. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to Walmart and then buy something and might go to the park. But at that time, in that specific conversation, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to church tomorrow. We go to church every week. I really look forward to that. After church, we have a meal that, that we're going to do. And, you know, he just sort of looked at me like, yeah, you know, you get that. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. But that's just a, like talking to uh, unsaved. I know for me, like in that moment, talking to this unsaved uh, neighbor, the way I would talk to any other, you know, believing person was a way for me to sort of get over this little fear I had and it was this is how I naturally talk this is what I naturally do every weekend every Lord's Day and so that was something that was helpful helpful for me and for him it opened a door you know to that that conversation I eventually got to share the gospel with him but for me that's what it looked like in that specific situation but we all can identify different areas in life where there's a there's a fear of a man <clears throat> so let's think about Specifically, we'll go through some categories here uh, to think about this practically. Fear of man in conflict. All right, so how do we handle um, the fear of man when we're in conflict situations? So how do we respond to conflict? Um, at times, we can demonstrate a tendency or the fear of man more than God when we get in situations where we have to 
um, confront a person or be in conflict. Um, we don't love addressing sin in others. Sometimes we even avoid hard conversations so that we don't have to deal with the thing. You know, we'll, um, we'll avoid the person. We'll see them and just sort of, you know, duck behind another person to, to go somewhere else. Or we'll just um, have very short conversation with them so that we don't have to dialogue with them for a long time. You know, lest they uh, respond negatively to something that we, we say. Uh, we would rather at times continue to be wronged by someone um, than to um, uh, blow up at them or to, which we shouldn't do, but to, to confront them. We rather at times, um, and we'll, we'll say that we're suffering long with them, but we're really um, uh, enduring and um, being wrong or doing wrong to the person by not addressing the sin in the person. And we'll, you know, we can convince ourselves that this is the right way to do this, where we're suffering long, and it can be even a form of false piety when we see a brother or a sister or a person um, sinning in some way or falling short or erring or dishonoring God in some way. And for the sake of the person and our relationship, which becomes sort of the, um, the main thing that we're trying to preserve as opposed to the honor of God, we'll say, I'm not going to say anything to this person. Um, and even that, underneath that, when you dig under there and you expose that thing, it's a fear of man rather than a fear of God. <clears throat> so how do we re respond to situations in conflict? Um, how do we uh, be true peacemakers and not just sort of uh, put on a false piety of peacemaking, but how do we be true peacemakers by being willing to um, address one another and um, confront one another. And when I say that, I don't want us to leave, you know, this class like, like, okay, who's been, you know, doing something so I can confront them? Like that, that's not the attitude we should have. Remember, we're, we're trying to honor God in the way that we approach one another. Um, it's for, uh, out of love for our brother and sister that we approach them, not to beat them down, not to drag them through the dirt, but to honor God and to honor them by how we confront one another. Um, <clears throat> so we want to be those who um, are peacemakers. Um, we want to love God uh, more than um, how the person, more than how the person might respond to us. And the way that you love that person best is by loving God first, which means that we uh, come alongside each other with correction. So we want to be those who um, aren't, our primary goal isn't to, for people to um, have a good opinion of us or to make sure that we maintain a relationship so that the person keeps a good opinion of us. But we want to make sure that we are, we're honest, right? So the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love, right? So there are two things happening there. One is truth speaking, truth telling. Um, we can lie in our... Um, false piety. We can lie by not speaking the truth. We can lie by trying to maintain a good opinion or having people maintain a good opinion of us. So there's truth speaking and then there's in love. Um, we don't just go to people with the truth and say, well, I told them the truth, Lord. They didn't want to hear it. Um, and we just say it however we want to say it with the wrong heart motive or attitude. Both of those are important. Speak the truth in love, right? Uh, let's go to another another category. Think through this. Um, fear of man in marriage. 
right? So marriage has, uh, it provides another context where we might see the fear of man exposed. Um, on one hand, uh, your life is much more exposed to another person, yet we find ourselves wanting to hide all the more, right? We find ourselves doing what Adam and Eve did, right? God uh, created men. Uh, they were to be uh, naked and unashamed. And that has a lot of implications, but they were fully exposed to one another um, intellectually, emotionally, physically, and they were unashamed. Um, and then, of course, sin sweeps through the garden uh, in Adam and Eve first and um, in, in creation. And you see them hiding, not just from God, but from one another. So sin has um, put this wall uh, in between uh, man and man, not only man and God, but man and man. Right. So we want to in marriage want to um, not have a fear, a fear of man. So at times, I don't know, maybe you buy something um, and uh, you you sort of you hide it. You know, you you buy this thing that you've been wanting to buy for a long time, and you know, you say, well, don't don't check the account. You know, it's everything's fine. You just bought a you know I don't know a what do you buy <laughs> lawn equipment I don't know or 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 you know the wife buys a, a a ring or something or whatever right so hiding uh, even purchases is a way it's underneath that is actually of a, a fear of man um, uh, maybe we keep certain things hidden maybe you fear that if anyone else knew what your spouse did about you that others would have a different view of you so how we want to be perceived by others uh, marriage is um, one of the key relationships that the Lord uses to help us overcome a fear of others and a fear of man. That intimate relationship um, doesn't allow you to hide. Um, we still can find ways to hide, but a relationship that intimate, there's a blessing in that intimacy, um, and there's an exposing of our own um, our fears, our concerns, our pride, our selfishness, our fear of man. That marriage is a context in which the Lord often brings out these fears. Um, and we want to be open. We want to be vulnerable, right? <clears throat> um, another category, uh, fear of man in church. <clears throat> so the church is another place where the Lord uses us to grow us in uh, fearing him rather than people, rather than fearing others. Yet it often tends to be the place that our fear of others, good opinions can become dominant, right? You want to be viewed as mature or having it together. Um, then we allow our relationships in the church to be characterized by the fear of others rather than honesty and openness, right? We want to show our best face all the time in church. And so, um, you know, <laughs> we're in the car with your spouse or a friend or whatever. Maybe you got into an argument with a friend last night or you're in the car with your spouse and you're arguing about the kids and then you step out of the car and then you put on the smile and you walk into church. We've, we've all done it, right? So even that is a, um, there's, a there, there's wisdom in handling these things privately um, and working through these things, but we have to be careful that our primary goal, even in that, is not just keeping up a good perception, a good, the, the, the way people view us, making sure that we're not seen a certain way. Because um, that can be, if that's the main goal, then you can really be replacing genuine fellowship 
with an idol of looking well before others. And that, that's not the same thing. And so we want to be careful about that, right? So fear of man in church. <clears throat> um, uh, fear of man in um, uh, teaching or, or public speaking. And, um, you know, this is something that I think uh, pastors or those who teach in different contexts can, can relate to. Or those who, I mean, even school teachers and those who have to give presentations, we, we see this. A fear of man runs deep um, in our lives at times that even teaching um, can be a place where we uh, fear what people may say, how they may view us. Um, will we communicate the wrong thing with the wrong words? Um, will it rub people the wrong way? Um, will it appear shallow? Will we expose that we really don't know much about the subject that we're teaching and will be sort of found out to be a fraud? Um, whatever it is, teaching math, language arts, um, theology. <clears throat> you know, what happens if they find out that we've neglected some crucial piece of um, what we're supposed to be teaching, a piece of scripture, a particular nuance of the topic that we're teaching? Um, how will they feel about us? Um, have I improved um, from week to week so that people can recognize it and say, you've gotten much better at this thing, which isn't bad, but it is bad if that becomes the primary goal for why we do what we do, right? So all of these are ways that we see the fear of man. I mean, this is only four, but we can see it in a hundred different ways. Um, and even, and I, I hope that as we talk through this, we can even more easily identify what may be a fear of man at the root of how we think about a certain thing or how we interact with a certain person. It's not always easy to spot, but Hopefully, this class will help us to, to see that, not just in you, but in me, and well, and well, and as in the pastors as, as we teach this. So, um, some questions for you, some things that we can we can discuss here. So, Ed Welch, he has a, a series of questions that'll help us think through um, uh, this sort of pressure of the fear of man, this struggle of even peer pressure, even. Um, whether, what are the adult ways in which we succumb to peer pressure? The pursuit um, uh, of accomplishing something uh, for the accolades of men or not doing something because of, of peer pressure. <clears throat> so here, here are some thoughts and some questions. And we can, I'll go through these, think about it, and then we'll, we'll talk about it um, on the other side of these, these questions. So, do you need something from your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, <clears throat> your friend? Do you need them to listen to you, to respect you? Do you need them to fulfill a certain role you desire? The key word here is need, meaning that your very um, identity and as, as a human, as a Christian, is um, um, not there. It diminishes because this person doesn't give you this specific thing. Um, is self-esteem a critical concern for you? <clears throat> Do you have, um, are you too concerned with self-esteem and um, how you are perceived or how you yourself, uh, how you perceive yourself? Do you, do you ever feel as if you might be exposed as an imposter? The sense of being exposed even among the apparently successful is an expression 
of the fear of man? Are you always second guessing decisions because of what others might think about you? Are you afraid of making mistakes that will make you look bad in other people's eyes? Are you afraid to take risks because of that reason? Um, are you always second guessing? I just read that one. Uh, do you feel empty or meaningless? <clears throat> do you experience um, what, what we can call a, a, a love hunger? Um, if you need others to fulfill you or um, you need to, you feel human by how, by the fulfillment that you get from other people, right? That's, a, that's an unhealthy relationship. Um, <clears throat> um, have all these descriptions um, or, or some of these describe you at times? When you compare yourself with other people, do you feel good about yourself? Perhaps the most dangerous form of the fear of man is the successful fear of man. So such people think that they have made it. They have more than other people have. They feel good about themselves, but their lives are still defined by other people rather than God. So even very successful people that don't appear to need anything, like they have want for nothing, um, even they can be defined by how other people view them as successful. So if you take those things away from them, they're not even um, most uh, mad and angry because you took the things away. They're afraid because of how people will look at them now because they don't have the things. That shows that underneath all of that is a fear of man. Um, even underneath the materialism can be a, a fear of man. So uh, thoughts on that. Let, let, let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, have you seen things like that in your, your own life? We're going to come back to this question as we go through this class. Have you seen things like that in your own life? Uh, a fear of man in these different ways, and how have you thought through that? Um, how have you worked through it? Um, is this showing that maybe there is a fear of, of man somewhere where you haven't seen it before? What do you guys think? Well, in light of what you said about the fear of being exposed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, amen. <laughs> yeah, yep. I think everybody in some area can, can identify with that. Maybe we fear um, being a bad um, father, right? People will see that I don't have it all together. My kids aren't as buttoned up as they appear in church. Maybe we fear being a bad mother. And you know, I haven't done these things that people are gonna see that you know, my kids have been eating you know, Cheerios for breakfast for the past. Cheerios are fine, but people have different you know, issues. <laughs> Our kids eat Cheerios. <laughs> You know, um, whatever. There's a lot of different places where we can have the fear of man. Um, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
People are watching you. Yeah. Yep. So I think that can really stir up, you know. Yep. Kind of the focus. Yeah. Yep. All of us are in a fishbowl for somebody who's looking at us. Um, People are always watching, whether we recognize or not. We may feel like we're just, nobody's paying attention to how I do this thing or how I do that thing. But people are always watching us. um, And that can, you know, cause us to have a fear of man at times. What else? It's going to be a good class, so get ready to (laughs) talk. (laughs) Love. Kareem. Yeah, too too high of a regard for, for their opinions where we can avoid people and, you know, just avoid conversation with them, avoid seeing them for, again, a hundred different reasons. But even that can expose that this person is so influential, and I'm saying this in a negative way, the way that they may see us or things that they may, how they may, they may give a look when we say something and we're like, oh, that, you know, in this person rubbing the wrong way um, to where we just want to avoid them altogether because we don't want to walk away and there can we'll, we'll talk later about a healthy fear but I'm talking about unhealthy fear fears of men right now to where you can want to avoid someone because you fear how they may view you or see you um, or even the fear of conflict with them um, that's still a fear of man ultimately um, because it, it can be for their good to expose things. And one of the things that I struggle with is the, uh, like just being comfortable enough with who you are. Mm. You know, just, oh, yeah. it's like, because that's not settled at times. <laughs> you're like, it just is like, you know, a, a yep. default setting. Yes. You know, with what happens when you interact with other people. Yes. You know, like just being comfortable with who you are. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a big one. We all, at different points, can become chameleons right um we, we you tend to take on the personalities and certain character traits of people you spend a lot of time around um my wife and i would do a lot of things alike you know married people you see that all the time you know we hang around a certain group of friends you tend to start talking like one another and you know these are i think more more innocent ways that that happens but um when i say become a chameleon i mean that um we we need this person's or this group's approval, so we even start to think certain ways, talk certain ways, um, so that they will approve of us. Or, you know, like you said, I, I, I sense that too. I, I assume that a lot of us do that sort of, you know, you know, I'm 30, how old am I? Four? 34, I think. I and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm still like, I still struggle with, you know, sort of finding and knowing, you know, how I think and feel about certain things. I feel like that's always happening. But um, we can get in those situations where we're just uncertain and uncomfortable with ourselves. When Christ, God approves us, right? He's already knowing our filthy insides, our falsely polished outsides. 
approves of us in Christ and has given us his very righteousness and still we'll go into a conversation or a group and we, you know, sort of, you know, hide. And yeah, that, that happens, that happens to me. I'm sure that happens to, uh, to a lot of us, whether we see it or admit it or not, that's always there. Michelle, you had a thought? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> that's that's always always there. Um, yep. <clears throat> All right. Let's. Oh, go ahead, Mark. I was just as I was listening. How do you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's good advice. That, that's great advice. The fact that the person, the Christian, right, you said a Christian, that they are aware and thinking through whether or not this is pleasing to God, this motive I have, that's, I would say, fruit of the spirit working in a person. Um, the unbeliever doesn't <clears throat> care about whether his motive is pleasing to God. That's something that the spirit works in a person. Unbelievers may ask that question for a lot of different reasons, but underneath it is not, Lord, your honor instead of mine. Um, no, for, for the, but for the Christian, that is a distinct question that we ought to ask. So I would say that's a good thing. Um, and I would wanna ask some questions, which we'll talk about some good questions we can ask one another to sort of get underneath that. But I think that's, a, that's good advice. Um, if, if you're struggling with this and you're genuinely wrestling with it and your question is, God, are you pleased with this? I think that's a good sign. Okay, so I want to just give a sort of overview for where we'll be going in the next few weeks. So in weeks three and four and five, we'll examine three ways or three primary ways in which we tend to fear man. So we fear that people will physically hurt us. That's a a fear of man. This can relate to any number of things. Um, A bully, a violent spouse, uh, the violence of um, a neighbor, an angry person, um, verbal mockery, Christian persecution, a bunch of different things. We fear that someone will physically hurt us. Um, we fear that people will reject us. This is a, a, another big one. This is often connected to things about us in comparison to other people, that people will reject us. So we judge and compare social standing. Where do we live? What do we drive? Um, what else do we possess? What do they have that we don't have? We have that they don't have. Our relationships. Uh, am I friends with him or her for, um, because I want to be in the inner circle, right? Uh, that, that does you no good and them no good. It's not even, um, it's not a genuine relationship. Um, how do I feel about not being invited to this, you know, party versus that one? You know, do I feel like this person sees me a certain way because they didn't invite me for, this party or for lunch after church, you know. Um, have I traveled to these countries, been a part of these events? Um, wh- where was I when this thing happened? 
what assessments do we make of, of other people? What assessments do we make of ourselves concerning our education? We went to this school over that school, or this person went to that school, or I'm ashamed to tell them I went to this school, or got this degree, or that I'm not finished with this you know, education. Um, all of these things can expose a fear of man. Um, we fear that people will expose us. A fear of exposure may uh, manifest itself in a variety of activities. Um, um, and uh, lust and hearts seeking um, uh, pleasure in the wrong places can actually be a fear of man, and we'll talk about that, that later. Um, vulnerability and marital commitment and responsibility. Um, obsession with other forms of fantasy, uh, video games, virtual realities, role-playing. Um, escapism, drugs, alcohol, food, eating disorders, uh, music, television. Um, at the heart of some of these um, things can be an unhealthy addiction and um, that's fed by a fear of man. You may wonder, well, how does um, you know, an addiction to, how does an eating order uh, relate to a fear of man? How does um, sort of uh, getting caught up in a fantasy world of video games relate to a fear of man? Those are things we want to think through. Um, perfectionism, this is a big one, where I, I know it is, it is for me. I have a, my personality type, perfectionism, and that relationship to the fear of man. Um, obsession with work, a young person um, who works and works and works and works to, to sort of climb the corporate ladder. There can be a fear of man underneath that. Um, so considering all these categories and more, we want to think through uh, the fear of man in, this next, in these coming weeks and whether we see these things in our own life, um, whether certain aspects of our lives are characterized by a fear of man. Um, where do we see it operating in our lives, in our thoughts, in our feelings? Um, um, Hebrews, it says that the, um, the word of God is um, sharper than two, any two-edged sword, um, uh, piercing to the division of bone and marrow, uh, discerning, uh, I think the language is, the uh, thoughts and intentions, uh, the motives of the heart. Um, the word cuts through uh, fluff to the very thoughts and intentions for why we do certain things. And that's what we want to be able to do. We want to be discerning enough and um, to allow the word to expose us, to see what's underneath. Because the freedom from the fear of man is uh, very freeing, right? Uh, not being enslaved by the fear of man is a, uh, is a freedom, it's a joy, it's a liberty that um, we don't often uh, appreciate because we're so used to it. We're so used to people pleasing that it just becomes the norm. It's just a way, it's like brushing our teeth in the morning. We don't even think about it. But uh, there's, a, there's a sanctification and a progress and maturity that comes with uh, not having the fear of man. <clears throat> so, um, so through the next seven weeks, we'll be exploring this topic of the fear of man, um, uh, fearing God rather than man, looking at these different topics and finally understanding a new vision for life and understanding of what it means to live a life that is controlled um, by a love for God rather than a fear of man. Right? So that's just sort of to give you an idea of where we're going. Next, let's, let's think about um, who fears man. What would be your answer to that question?
Who struggles with the fear of men? Everyone, right? Uh, the rich, the poor, the high, the low. Everyone struggles with the fear of man. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is uncommon to men. This is a shared struggle within um, people, <clears throat> believers and non-believers alike. So we'll be looking at scripture and considering this. The fear of man is a universal struggle. It's not limited to position, to social standing, to personality. So the strong, the weak, uh, the rich, the influential, the poor, the timid, the bold, the believer, the unbeliever, they all struggle with the fear of man. Um, One of the surest ways to continue um, struggling with the fear of man is to continue believing that you're the only one going through this struggle because it causes us to hide. So we're, again, that fear of man, we're hiding. Um, I don't want anyone to know that for me, this is a vice, this is a struggle, right? So we're still putting fig leaves, covering ourselves um, from one another. And there's, a, there's healing in, in that. Um, another question, why do we fear man? So past experience tells us that man can cause us harm and pain and difficulties. We're not looking for uh, self-help solutions to this though. We're looking for biblical solutions. So we know that life hurts, we will be rejected, we will be exposed, um, and we'll want to look at it through the Christian lens and and worldview. Um, We can be proud and self-centered. Pride is at the heart of the fear of man. Pride is not limited to self-confidence. It is at the center of the insecure and codependent person. Both individuals are orienting themselves to others on the basis of how they compare. So the self-pitying introverted secretary is every bit as proud as the egotistical and aggressive CEO. Both have a deep fear of man. Um, We have a needs-based view of people. I need her love. I need his respect. Um, an interest in me. I need my child's obedience. I need his friendship. I need a good church. I need these clothes. I need this type of education. I need meaningful work. It becomes very easy to move from using the word need to believing that we actually uh, deserve these things. Um, Another point, we have a wrong view of what we truly need and what we deserve. Well, all the things I just mentioned um, can be useful and good. Um, It's not to our advantage to confuse the categories and find our very identity in these things. The only thing I truly need in this life um, or in the next is for my sins to be atoned for that I may be reconciled to God, which informs everything else. Furthermore, the only thing I truly desire is to spend an eternity under uh, the blessing of God's goodness and not separated from his goodness in hell. All right, so um, sin, need, and, and salvation. So I want to ask you, as we've thought through these things, how do you think the gospel specifically informs fear of man? How do you think the gospel um, 
exposes these different areas of fear, work, church, home, whatever it is, and exposes it, sheds light on it, and um, cures it is the, the medicine, the antidote to it. Let's, let's think about that for it. Scriptures that come to mind for you, um, conversations you've had. There's a, when you've said that, it made me think about the blessing of confession. Um, confession of sin is actually one antidote to the fear of man. Confessing sin before God regularly um, for our own sanctification helps us with others and being willing to uh, expose ourselves because confession reminds us that God has, uh, he's approved us in Christ even in the midst of our filthiness. Confession exposes us to God, and that constant practice in a healthy way helps us in our relationships with one another um, because it reminds us that God has approved us. And so how this person views me, but they walk away believing about me from this conversation, if I haven't sinned, of course, um, doesn't matter <laughs> um, so long as God has, has approved me. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not talking about us being rude or um, sinning. I'm talking about just living honorably before God and this person. They walk away from me thinking a certain way. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter what they want to you know, share about you to others. Um, 
the, the, the best thing is to be able to walk away from something saying that no matter what anybody thought, I didn't sin against the Lord and he approves me. That's the, that's the deepest comfort of the heart um, over any of man's, man's opinions. Um, so, yeah, that's, those are both, both good. Fair? Yeah, I would just piggyback on that and say, um, I think the gospel reminds us of who we were yeah. Right. Right. Sick cycle. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Jesus, the God-man, um, did not struggle with the fear of man, right? Uh, th- that would be sin. Um, as uh, truly human, he got thirsty, he needed to sleep, he got tired. But fear of man is sin, and there was no sin in him. And when you look at the life of Christ, I mean, he wasn't, he was constantly in confrontation with, with hypocrites and with Pharisees and even his own disciples at times. Um, and he's an example of um, a bold, um, uh, a boldness, a courage. He, d- he did not fear man. Uh, he lived before the Lord. He said, everything the Father, I've done all that the Father has commanded me. Perfectly. From calling the Pharisees, you know, uh, vipers and hypocrites and turning over tables to... The Bible describes him as a brood reed. He will not break his gentleness with, you know, um, the, the woman at the well. Like, you see in the life of Christ, the true man, uh, the true human, um, uh, the perfect uh, expression of the glory of God and wanting to honor God, even when it caused him to rub up against uh, those who despised him, right? So we have an example in Christ of what it looks like um, to not fear men but to uh, love honor obey God and you see what his life looked like Um, it wasn't he wasn't always at ease with uh, I mean the Bible describes him as um, uh, afflicted and acquainted with grief and yet always pleasing to the father so I say that to, to say our times as we want to honor God and not please and not be people pleasers be man pleasers as the bible uh, calls it um, it it will bring us into confrontation it'll bring us into rubbing um, sort of with shoulders with with people in a way that is uncomfortable for us Uh, but again the gospel informs these things and again I'm not describing um, being rude or being mean or being uh, or not being thoughtful with how we approach one another or the Bible says, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
Is that the opposite of what Paul says when he's like, I'm not striving. If I were trying to please you, I wouldn't be a servant of God. Is he saying two different things there? No. Um, I think he's consistent when he says, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, and I will not be a servant or a people pleaser of men. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that, that too. The short answer is the glory of God is at the center of both. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll work through that a little um, later. So just a, a few verses as I close out here. Um, we see sin originated at the fall or uh, the, the fear of man originated at the fall under the sun in creation. Um, Genesis 3, 6 to 7, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good and the food was pleasing to the eye and also desired to gain wisdom, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they realized that they were naked so that they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Um, the fear of man is short-sighted. Luke 12, four to five. I tell you, my friend, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after killing the body has the power to throw into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. The fear of man is a destructive trap, as Fair mentioned earlier, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Um, fear of man minimizes the nature of our position in Christ. And I'll close here. Romans 8, 35 and 38 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Show trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor Johnny's opinion, nor Sarah's thoughts can separate me from the love of God. Right? For I am convinced of this. Uh, we will be, uh, nothing will be able to separate, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our, our Lord. It can only be overcome through the power of the gospel. The fear of man can only be overcome through the power of the gospel. All right, so these are things that over the next few weeks we want to we wanna think through. We want to get a biblical perspective of these things. We want to be willing to sort of step back and um, look at our own hearts and lives and say, where do I see the fear of man? And where can I identify it? Lord, expose it for my good so that um, I would live honorably before you and before men. Right, so this has, um, fear of man has a lot of um, branches. It, 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 its weeds pop up in every area of our lives. Um, and the world has an idea of what it means to, to not fear man. Um, but it's not a biblical idea. It just, it says, you know, drive a, 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 a big truck and you know, talk like a man and, and now you've got courage and you don't have the fear of man. Um, but the Bible has a different perspective. Um, Christ is our example in this. Um, not worldly accolades or ideologies, but Christ himself, the perfect man, the true human. And that's the goal for us, right? And that's what Christ is bringing us into. Um, if fear of man is sin and the spirit is sanctifying us, then the spirit is not will never be content to leave us in the fear of man but he's going to bring us 
out of that um, in ways that are good, useful, painful at times, but it's for our good and sanctification. So something to remember as well, that God is behind the Christian who pursues holiness and wants to cut fair of man at the root. Okay? So, again, that, that's what we can expect for the next few weeks. Uh, myself, uh, Pastor Rick, and Kyle will be on a rotation teaching through this class. So it, it'll be good. We're all looking forward to, to this study. <clears throat> all right, well, let me close out and pray for us um, and also pray as we are going to go and listen to Kyle preach, actually, today. So it'll be good. Lord, we give you thanks again for the blessing of uh, the word of God, which um, is our, our guide, our help. It exposes us, it encourages us, it gives us um, peace and comfort as it is your word to us. Lord, we thank you for um, the fact that we can walk through this study together and think through the subject of the fear of man, which um, is, is very common. I mean, all of us struggle with this in different areas, some more than others, you know, some, some less than others, but this is a, a common area of struggle, uh, a temptation that is not, not uncommon to men. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us as we go through this class to, to um, uh, soften our hearts and uh, give us a right, um, a, a, a right disposition as we look at these different subjects. Encourage us in this. Uh, drive us forward in this uh, pursuit of holiness and sanctification. And uh, bless us, Lord, as we think through these things together. Uh, Lord, bless us um, uh, as we go into the sanctuary to to listen to uh, the sermon this morning on 1 John 5. Um, I pray you would give um, uh, Kyle uh, grace and uh, give him clarity of thought, of speech, that your word would be effective as you uh, promised to make it as it is preached faithfully for your people, for our good and your glory. Um, Bless us in our reading and our singing and our praying and our attentiveness with reverence and awe, may we give ourselves to the preached word. And uh, bless our Lord's Day Fellowship, Lord. This is a, this is a privilege, the, as the Puritans said, the marketplace for the soul of the saint. Give us all that we need in this time of fellowship. Let us squeeze out every drop of uh, blessing um, in this time, the Lord's Day Fellowship, for your glory and the good of your people. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat>